reflect on the situation that we find ourselves in at the present time. We've been in lockdown now for about 10 long weeks, and I don't know what your experience has been, but for my part, each morning when I wake up, after just a few seconds, I get a sinking feeling in my gut as I remember what has happened. I miss being able to hug my grandchildren. I miss that feeling of freedom. But I realise that I am fortunate because for many, this has been a time of great sadness. Many have lost loved ones and they're mourning. Many are worried about jobs and they're anxious about their financial situation. Some just feel lonely and others are suffering from mental ill health. This virus has robbed many of us of a sense of well-being, and it has caused much suffering. My mum used to say that every day is a rainy day for some. And that is so true. And the whole world is experiencing a rainy day at the moment. It's okay to feel that about it. There are many things happening around the world that sadden me at the present time. That's okay as well. It's okay to feel sad about that. God does not tell us not to feel, but he does show us how to overcome in our lives. Amen. Romans 8:37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. For some... The words, we are more than conquerors, are enough to set us back on the right track when we're feeling down, filling us with confidence. But for others, it is important to be able to explore and accept how we feel and to work through these feelings because we can take until we can take hold of the meaning of that verse. James 2 verse 16 says... If any one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? I know this is a different example, but I think the principle is the same. If someone needs to express worry, fear or distress, it's fine to do so. And the good word of God will only start to raise our mood when, with God's help, we've worked through those feelings. For example, at the start of the pandemic, I was very worried about my son and his wife who work for the NHS and felt quite anxious for their well-being, even though I was praying every day for their protection. I had also committed to praying regularly for all of Hope Church members. So when our sister Sophie was taken to be with our Lord, I felt very shaken. 
as well as very sad, of course. It was only when I accepted that ultimately the only thing that truly matters is salvation that I was able to relax, trust God and believe that all would be well in the end. I believe God's message to us today is one of encouragement. <clears throat> he is with us and he is for us. But it does but this message does touch on the harsh reality of the problems and even suffering faced by humanity. There have always been times throughout history that are difficult. And in this country, I think we've become complacent. We hadn't imagined that there could be a virus that would, be, would spread and we couldn't contain it. Those countries that have dealt with things like Mars and SARS and MERS or even Ebola have dealt with it much better than we have. Today, I want to take a look at three biblical characters who had many trials to overcome and see what we can learn from their attitude. We'll look at David, Jeremiah and Paul. First, I want to look at David. There is much written about David, too much for today. So I'm going to give a summary of his early life before he becomes king. But the story really began with Saul, who was anointed to be king by Samuel. Unfortunately, Samuel disobeyed God and lost God's favour. So God sent Samuel to anoint a new king. God guided Samuel to Jesse of Bethlehem, a farmer with eight sons. Each son was presented to Samuel in order of age, the eldest first. We are told Samuel was impressed with Eliab, but God said, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The world values appearance, but God is only interested in the condition of our hearts. Finally, David, the youngest son, is called in from tending his father's sheep. The Lord tells Samuel he is the one, and in the presence of his brothers, Samuel anoints David as the next king. From that day, it says, the spirit of the Lord was on David in power. I wonder what David was thinking. One minute he's tending the sheep, and the next he's anointed by a famous prophet to be the next king. I looked up how old David would have been, and in his thought, working backwards from other known information, that he could have been anything from eight to 15 years old. With such a wide age range, we can't even hazard a guess at what his reaction would have been, but we do know from his later life that he loved and trusted God, and that he was brave. So after this momentous declaration, it seems David went back to tending the sheep. After Saul was rebuked by God through Samuel for being disobedient, Saul became tormented by an evil spirit and his attendants told him about a shepherd boy who played the harp and suggested he be brought to play the king to relieve his distress. That boy was, of course, David. 
David was summoned to play for Saul whenever he was tormented. While David's brothers would follow Saul into war, David's time would be spent alternating between tending the sheep and playing for Saul. I pondered why or how a shepherd, son of a farmer, came to learn the harp. I even googled it, but could not find an answer. So if anyone has any ideas other than it was a part of God's plan for him, please let me know. The harp was actually a lyre, a wooden instrument with ten strings. To me, it looks a bit like a, harp, a, a, a mini harp. David must have spent many hours practising, possibly in the fields when he was alone and tending the sheep, because he was good enough to be known and recommended to the king. This shows David's perseverance and determination as he continued to practise the harp. Then we read of the well-known event where David kills Goliath with a sling and a stone. After this, Saul involves David in army campaigns, and David proves himself to be formidable and successful, and Saul promotes him. All is going well until they return home, and the women welcome them back, singing accolades. They were singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. From that day, Saul became jealous of David, and probably even fearful. I wonder if Saul ever heard rumours that David had, anointed, had been anointed as the next king. Anyway, Saul sends David off to war, hoping he'll be killed, but instead, David is successful. David was offered the hand in marriage of Saul's eldest daughter, Saul wanted to keep his enemies close, but Daniel refused. He did, however, later marry Michal, Saul's second, Saul's second daughter, out of love. As part of the pact, David was asked to kill a hundred Philistines. In fact, he killed two hundred, and Saul's plan that he would be killed failed yet again. Saul is afraid of the influence David has and flits between tolerance and murderous rage against him, attempting to kill David on several occasions. Finally, David is forced to flee and hide in a cave, and so David's story goes on. It is a long one. A lot happens in David's life, but what I'm interested in is how he responded during this time when everything seems to have gone badly wrong. He is running for his life. He is nowhere near becoming king as prophesied, and God's plan seems to be unravelling. It is at this point, or at least focused on this time, that David writes a number of psalms. In Psalm 27, he calls on the Lord to protect and save him. From this psalm, we can see the level of confidence David has in God in spite of the situation he finds himself in. He starts with, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The king sent an army to kill him. He knows God will protect him. In verse four, he writes, one thing I ask of the Lord, 
This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. His heart yearns for closeness with God. He finishes in verse 14. I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. He knows God will keep his promise. David knew the reality of victory with God. And we also are more than conquerors. So now let's have a look at Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet. His life sounds pretty miserable generally. He was anointed by God as a prophet to uproot and tear down, build up and plant. He warned Israel of their sin and their impending judgment. Jeremiah felt deeply and weeping and mourning are mentioned many times in the book of Jeremiah. During his life, at different times, Jeremiah was arrested, forced into hiding, imprisoned, placed in an abandoned cistern and left to die. But fortunately, a eunuch saved him by permission of the king. He was taken to Egypt and probably stoned to death by his countrymen in the end. His message was not well received. Jeremiah was a driven man. He knew he had been chosen to do God's will. And yet it cost him dearly. But he never gave up. He was more than a conqueror because he did it for God. The following verses are attributed to Jeremiah and are taken from Lamentations. In spite of everything, Jeremiah is able to speak of hope and the possibility that whatever happens, we can always do better. I'm reading from Lamentations. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the great Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. And it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In spite of everything, Jeremiah was able to record such uplifting words of hope and confidence in the power, faithfulness, forgiveness and sovereignty of God. That was his experience of God. Now let's consider Paul, a Roman citizen born to Jewish parents in Tarsus, somewhere in what is now known as Turkey, around AD 2 to 6. He became a very zealous Pharisee and saw it as his duty to persecute the early Christians and was even involved in the death of Stephen. I think it's worth just taking a brief moment to consider Stephen. There isn't a lot written about him, but after being judged by the Jews as against the Jewish laws and traditions, he was stoned to death 
a very violent death. But this is what is written. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said that, this is what the NIV says, he fell asleep. A violent death, but a very peaceful passing. How amazing is that? And Stephen emulated Jesus to the very end when he prayed for his persecutors to be forgiven. Right, back to Paul. After this, Paul has a miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus. He now becomes zealous for Jesus. It is often said that when we are forgiven much, we love much. And Paul demonstrates his love and zeal for Jesus in his behaviour, attitudes and preaching. Paul was a tireless traveller, carrying out a number of missionary journeys, a hard worker, establishing a number of churches and demonstrated perseverance, courage and humility in following his calling. Never seemed to complain about his circumstances and he was uncompromising in his faith. It was no wonder then that during his life as a disciple of Jesus, he met some trouble. He was nearly stoned to death in Lystra, imprisoned after casting out a spirit in Philippi, forced to leave Ephesus, surrounded by a murderous mob, threatened with scourging, sent to Rome, shipwrecked off the coast of Malta, and ended up in house arrest in Rome. And as we all know, he was eventually martyred. But what did he have to say on the matter? He said in his letter to the Philippians, and I'll read it all, 4, 11 to 13, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I have learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Can we say that of ourselves? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. If we have the Holy Spirit in us and a true, enduring, persevering faith, we can overcome all things. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We can experience the joy of the Lord, not giggly happy joy, but an enduring peace and uplifted spirit that comes through trusting God. As lockdown eases, some of us may feel happy, while others may be apprehensive. We're stepping out into a different time where social distances, distancing is still something we need to follow. We need to continue to pray for God's protection and his wisdom. During this time of reduced activity, what can we do? Well, we can be like David 
and we can learn something new that will help to lead us into our future destiny, something that in time God can use to bless others. Anyone want to learn to play the harp? We can be like Jeremiah, but not too much. We don't want to be weeping. And pray with all our hearts for God's mercy and restoration in this world. There is so much happening around the world that needs prayer. We can be like Stephen and emulate, emulate Christ in all we do. And we can be like Paul, who even after many trials and tribulations was able to say, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I can do this through Jesus, who strengthens me. When we think about David, Jeremiah and Paul, we shouldn't feel down about the struggles they endured. We should be amazed at how many times God rescued them and how their faith grew as a result. David teaches us to trust God when everything seems to be going wrong. Trusting God brings peace. Jeremiah teaches us to draw comfort from knowing God's mercies are new every morning. Trusting God brings comfort and hope and forgiveness. Every day we get the chance to do better. Paul teaches us to seek peace and contentment in all situations by trusting God and experiencing the joy of the Lord. The most powerful teacher of all was, of course, Jesus. And he said in John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God doesn't promise us a life without trials, but he does promise us he is on our side, and through him we are more than conquerors. God assures us that whatever happens in our lives with his help, we can deal with it. As the words of the song said, the battle belongs to the Lord, and he has the victory. Thank you. Thank you.